Like I said, we got, we got Elder Wally here, Watchman Wally. I'll link you there with Watchman Knee. How's that? No pressure, right? No. But he's going to come. He's going to bring part three. I'm looking at his notes right now, getting a little sneak preview. And uh, no, it's going to be a good day. So let's just go ahead and just welcome Mr. Wally here as he comes to bring the word. Well, the first part of the equation is good afternoon. I didn't say morning. How about that? As you can see, the pastors aren't here, and I might not be as polished as Pastor Baird. I may not be as pretty as Pastor Tracy. And I'm definitely not as young as Pastor Brad. So after I get through today, I'm going to listen to this video over again to encourage myself. <laughs> But uh, I've been charged with by my fellow elder Ed Harn not to have broken his record of 24 minutes and having the shortest sermon in the history of legacy. He said, please leave me a remnant, just something. And I said, I will. So, uh, Brad, if I get too close to ending at 24, yes, yes, thank you, sir. I will squeeze it out for an additional minute. And that way, Brother Ed can stand alone. <laughs> um, we are going to continue our series on I Love Myself. And I think Pastor T has done a great job with the first two. I actually emailed her or sent her a text message, and I said, would you leave something on the bone? I mean, leave me something to speak to these people about. But the Lord did, as always. He promised and he's delivered again. There's something that someone here today, whether it's one, whether it's many, or maybe those who are streaming in today and listening, this message is for you. Because the day is the day of salvation. Today is the day of restoration. I entitled my um, message today, How Long must I stay on this treadmill? If you would put that up for me, thank you. How long must I stay on this treadmill? Now, has anybody here owned one of these rascals, maybe an elliptical at the house, raise of hands? They're a weird-looking apparatus, if you ask me. I mean, the Lord dumped this on me several months ago. And he showed me that, you know, it's a strange thing. This piece of equipment, it, is, it just assimilates all these miles. I mean, if you use it properly, it's miles and miles that it will register for you. And yet it goes nowhere. It just stays right in your living room or maybe in your garage. It does absolutely nothing. It just sits there. But there are some things that are advantageous about these little rascals. And if you have one, you know that it's going to increase your cardi cardio output. It's going to give you a sense of well-being because you're exercising. It also will um, it'll keep you looking young, keep you looking spry. And I personally have an elliptical down in my basement. 
And that's where it's been. And so that being said, I got to thinking about that treadmill. And I thought, you know, the key component, Lord, of that is if it's used appropriately. Is it being used appropriately? If you would, allow me to continue the positive outcomes of a treadmill. One of the beauties of it is you'll actually lose weight if you use one. But also there are some negative outcomes of a treadmill. And so I'd like to talk to you about that today. Maybe you're no longer using it for the purpose it was designed for. Maybe it's just collecting dust. Maybe it's become your new clothes hanger that you put all your stuff on, like mine is in my basement. When I get through fishing or I've been out doing something in the rain, I'll put my clothing on there before I go into the house. Or could it be that it's just become an eyesore in your home or your garage? Only you can answer that question. But I'd like to take you on a little bit of a ride today. And I'm curious if you will allow me to metaphorically ask you the question. Do you feel like life is much like the treadmill? You see, sometimes maybe you're accumulating a lot of miles but not going anywhere as a Christian. And that's the way you feel. Maybe you're like the treadmill, all I've become is a place where everyone just drapes their problems on me. Worse than all this, you imagine yourself an eyesore to the church or even to the God that you serve. And I can only tell you that only you can answer those questions. And so you said this was a series on loving myself, and yet the weightiness of what you just shared is just that. It's very heavy. And maybe you're not at that place, but I look all around me today and I see it everywhere I go. I don't only see it in the church, but I see it in brothers and sisters in Christ who I fellowship with who are not in this immediate church. I see it every day as I walk through the halls of where I work and the heaviness and the futility in people's eyes. They feel like the gerbil on the old treadmill, or in their particular case, that wheel that keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. And spinning and spinning. Yet, I read in the Word of God that there are 15 scripture references surrounding loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I 
think about that scripture. And I pulled two of them out because I thought, I oftentimes hear this particular scripture, Pastor Brad, incorrectly spoken. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you have your Bibles with you, and, and Brad told me, he goes, wow, you wrote your notes out, and you got a Bible, you old school. <laughs> That's because I'm an old person and proud of it. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> if you'll open up to Galatians 5.14, and if you'll excuse this young man, I'm going to open to the same. And I read out of Galatians 5. 14. And the Bible renders it this way. The entire law is summoned up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you read Mark 12, 31, the Lord charges us once again to do the same. And I realized that Tracy articulated this the last two weeks very well. But God said, look at something there that most Christians really don't see. And that is when you quote it as love your neighbor as you love yourself, there's two separate entities there. There's you and there's your neighbor. Let me read one more time how it's rendered. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's one. Your neighbor and yourself are one. It's not two. It's the same thing that Jesus Christ did when he grafted us in the vine. We no longer were two, but one. And you might ask yourself, who is my neighbor? And I can tell you that your neighbor can be several different things. It can be the person next door in the physical. It could be the person that's in the cubicle next to you at your workplace. It could be anyone that the Lord has called you to serve. Now, if you would put that overhead on me of the cornbread. I know, I know. Some of you are saying, Mr. Wally, you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> I mean, have you ever listened to some folks for a minute and thought, their cornbread ain't done in the middle? When my wife sent that to me, I thought, wow, that's a sudden thing if I've ever heard it. And I have met some folks that I've just wondered the same. I don't think they're really all there. They're uh, french fries short of a Happy Meal. You know, they might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but they're a butter knife. So there's still some use for those folks. I heard a story once told that the neighbors were across the fence from one another, and one neighbor looked at the other and he said, I know that you want me to love my neighbor. I know that you go to church, but I, I, you just don't know Jimmy over here and his family. And the one that's behind me on this side and the other one's over here. It was a week later the two neighbors met once again at the fence. The one neighbor looked at the other and he goes, how are you doing with loving that neighbor thing? He said, I took your advice. 
I took your advice. I made out my living will. I did. And I included my neighbors. And he was startled. He said, really? What did you leave them? He said, actually, I wrote in that I want them to be my pallbearers when I die. He said, really? He goes, yes. That way they could let me down for the last time. <laughs> Maybe you feel like your neighbors are those kind of people. It might be that cubicle behind you, in front of you, or beside you. It may be at the shop that you work at or the hospital that you are a nurse or a doctor or a physical therapist. It can be many things. But truly, truly, it's so hard to love them because they don't want to be loved. And yet, the Word of God does not give us a pass, does he? I don't remember reading, love your neighbor as yourself, and if they don't receive it, <laughs> you got to pass. Go, pass, go. Do not collect $200. Let's talk about something that I think is extremely important to the Christian man and woman who is sitting in this room today. I want to dispel a belief system that is such a lie from Satan. And some of us have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. There's my scripture reference from my brother Ed about fishing. He asked me if I would do that. And that is, we must stay humble. We are commanded to stay humble according to the word. I think we all know the scripture, pride comes before the what? I couldn't hear you. Pride comes before the what? The fall. And so in our humility, we try to act like the following. If you would, would you put that? Uh, there we are. There we are. You ever hear somebody use the expression, you know, you just strutting around like a peacock. And you see them just strutting around. You know those people. It's not an endearing statement. They mean you're just full of yourself. You're conceited. All you do is think about the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you something. Take a look at that picture. Because there's a turkey who's strutting its wings too. And he's just as beautiful. Those plumes are gorgeous. So if you feel like you can't be a peacock for Jesus, at least be a turkey for the kingdom. And if you're looking for a ministry, love yourself so at least you can love your neighbor. There's somebody that you can serve. There's somebody that you can love. There's somebody that God is calling you and me out to care for. So let me tell you a story. And let's bring it back a little bit to the treadmill. We often have heard about this guy in the Bible. I think he was a disciple, apostle. Uh, he went by the name of Paul. 
He was just one of those minor guys in the Bible. Paul was running everywhere. Paul had the heart of an evangelist. If you ever did a uh, background check on this gentleman, he was in Corinth, he was in Ephesus, he was in Macedonia. I mean, this guy was running everywhere, constantly going. And just like the treadmill, he was pedaling as hard as he could. And maybe, just maybe, you're one of those people today that you might not necessarily be suffering from some of the woes of being on the treadmill, but you're running so fast that God is trying to tell you, slow down. But Lord, I've got to keep running. I've got to keep going. You see, I call it run Christian run. And you're exhausted. And the Lord didn't ask you to do all of these things. I recall that he said my yoke was easy and my burden was light. And Paul, being the conscientious apostle that he was, had to finally be arrested and chained between two soldiers. And while he was chained, if you read that scripture, it says that he never lost his joy. Not once did he lose his joy. It said so much that he was even singing, singing in his heartache. In the times that he was chained. But Paul did something that I would ask you to do today. Paul didn't take that situation. He didn't go through the woes of me. But he took the opportunity to look at the soldiers while he was chained. And he coined the book of Ephesians. And within the body of the book of Ephesians, you will find it's called the warrior chapters. And you will read all about how to be a warrior for Christ in your family, in your marriage, in your day-to-day -day events. What I'm trying to tell you is that God had to literally slow him down. And in the process of slowing down, he wrote the beautiful book of Ephesians. And he also wrote the wonderful passage about the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of truth. He shod his feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, God sometimes has to slow you down. And maybe that's where you are today and you think God has given up on you, but he hasn't. God will never, never give up on you. God is trying to tell you, be at peace. I am with you always to the end. And because of that, you need to realize today that this may be your day of restoration. That today is not the day of woe and God has forgotten me and mine. He has forgotten about my dreams. 
He has forgotten about my reality. He doesn't even know my phone number, never mind my texting. No, God knows. But some of you, he has slowed down and realized you're in a good place. Take the opportunity to look around, for God wants you to assimilate what he's doing so that you can be released in its due season. I'd like to read you, if you'll allow me, some highlighted excerpts from the Sparkling Gems. Our life group has been using Sparkling Gems over the last uh, months as uh, our tool to teach each evening. And our last lesson was on May the 5th. And the way that Sparkling Gems appropriates these specifics is they give you a day-to-day devotion. And I just happened to fall on May 1st. If you'd put up the uh, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. If you know Jesus Christ today, it's no accident. God personally summoned you to know him. The fact is, God looked out into eternity and he saw you. And he said, I want you. I'm calling you out of this lost world to belong to me. God literally chose you for himself, which ought to be one of the truths you speak to yourself every single day. Let me ask you a question. Who works in here? Raise a hand. Okay, still working. I know some of us are retired. I see the smug look on some of them. May God bless you (laughs) in Jesus' name. We all want to be where you're at. We're just jealous. I try not to covet. Lord, forgive me. I want to ask you, when you leave in the morning and you back out of your driveway or you pull forward, do you all have cheerleaders going up and down either side of the driveway while you're taking the children to school or you're off to work? Because if you do, I want you to email me and my wife. That's Wally and Maria at AOL.com because I want to see them. I'm telling you, the Lord is charging you today to love yourself. You see, when you back out in the morning, there's not, go, Chris, go, 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 go. You can do it. You can do it. He's our man. Nobody can. Go, Chris. (laughs) There isn't a soul around. When I leave in the morning, the only thing I see is my neighbor's car parked where it's not supposed to be so I can hit it. In Jesus' name, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> and so I just smile. But when I do back up because I can't afford one of those nice new cars like Randy, he has one of those backup cameras, you know, might I have to actually look in the rearview mirror? And what do I see? 
I see myself staring back at me. And contrary to popular belief, God wants you to be confident. He did not make a milk toast Christian. Amen? Come on, don't shout me down now. As pastor would say, I thought this was a holiness church. There's nothing worse than going to work and dreading it. There's nothing worse than going, I've got to face the music one more time. And wouldn't it be great if we did have the cheerleaders who said, you can do it. You can do it. But we don't. And thus why God told you to love yourself enough to look in that rearview mirror and say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am the head and I'm not the tail. I am the apple of his eye. Every one of these are scripture. You are a priest or a priestess. Do you realize that? God is calling you his daughter. You're not some orphan. You're his daughter. And you're his son. And those of you out today who maybe be going through some of this mess in your lives and you're looking in for the first time today, God loves you. If he died, he would have done it just for you today. And I believe that with all my heart, all my soul, and all my might, that he would have done it just for you. Let's go further. He said you're a chosen vessel. Colossians 3.12 begins by saying, Put on therefore as the elect of God. The word elect is the first word that reveals what God thinks of us. It is the Greek word, and pastor will love this. We threw a little Greek in there, Pastor Brett. Yeah. Eclectus, which is a compound of the words ek and lego. The word ek means out, and lego means I say. When they are compounded, the new word literally means out, I say. In other words, God loved us so much that he called us out from the lost eternity and began the process of making sure that we came to Christ. For that reason, the word electos can be translated elected or selected, carrying the idea that we are personally chosen by God. Selah. Dwell on that. When's the last time in your alone time that you told yourself that God chose you out of the millions of people in this world, billions. He chose me. If you're sitting here today, it is no mistake, God chose you. Don't let anyone ever take that away from you. If you want to hold on to a confidence, then hold on to his for you. Hold on to the fact that he loves you that much and that he cares about all the things that are troubling your heart. 
But he also cares about all the joy and the happiness that you have. And he wants to foster that and make it continue to grow in your family, with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. He doesn't want chasms being built. And when you can't love yourself, you can't give to someone what you don't have. I can't give you $20, Brother Randy, if I don't have it. But if I do, it's yours. You see, I can give what I have. Do you feel the weight of why the Lord has told you you must love yourself? The verse continues, put on therefore the elect of God holy. The word holy is the Greek, Greek word hagias, which is in ancient times described awe, respect, and reverence for a holy place or a holy shrine, a place separated and set apart from other places. Consequently, the word eventually came to refer to something that was separated from the rest of the world and was thereby sanctified, consecrated, and holy. The use of this word in the New Testament tells us that once we came to Christ, the blood of Jesus separated us, consecrated us, and made us holy. He moved our past sins. He threw them into the sea of forgetfulness, separating our sins as far as the east is from the west. If you want to know where the scripture is, it's Psalms 103.12. So the next time the devil tries to tell you, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too homely, not spiritual enough, undeserving or inferior in any way, read the preceding paragraph to him as a rebuke. Then, the first thing every morning, look in the mirror and declare, I am holy. Jesus' blood of forgetfulness and separated it from me forever. It has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. He wiped my slate clean. He threw my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And God himself respects me as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you understand why it is so important this month that we express to you why you must love yourself? It is the foundation of evangelism. It is the foundation of bringing those who do not know Christ to him. I have never been attracted by the naysayer. I've never been attracted in a conversation to somebody who's just negative, negative, negative. I had a friend once tell me, negatives belong in a dark room. You see, the world isn't looking for that. They get that every single day. Trust me, get on I-26. Those of you who are streaming in, it's our interstate. Man, you will see the Holy Ghost. He'll talk about Jesus on that day. Garrett, he'll roll the window down. Tell you about your family. There is so much hate. And the world is looking for somebody who has at least their act together. And you notice I didn't say you were walking in perfection. 
You see, only Christ is perfect. And only Christ can keep you. And with that being said, do you remember moments in your past when you were very aware that God loved you? Where the moments when you felt overwhelmed by God's forgiveness, acceptance, and tender care for you. Even at times when you knew that you had done nothing or you had done something wrong and you didn't deserve his love. Are you still aware today that God loves you with an everlasting, unfailing love? God's love for you has never changed. He loves you today as, as intensely as he loved you yesterday. You may have done things that were not appropriate for a child of God to do. But nonetheless, you are his child. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Even if you've largely ignored God and you need to ask his forgiveness, he never forgets that the Holy Spirit lives in you and he respects you as a dwelling place of his spirit. And the really great news is this. God's love for you tomorrow will be unfailing. Well, my time's getting short. Mr. Wally, I kind of landed in some of the areas that you spoke about today. And no, nothing you said tugged my heart, but Jesus Christ tugged my heart. But no one, but no one has ever told me, how do I fix this? You see, I started this day with, this is the day of salvation. This is the day of restoration. I'll tell a quick story. In the days of old, in the Roman Empire times, you would note that vessels were very important to a home. If you were of uh, influence, your vessels were normally made out of some type of silver pewter, some even gold. But the regular folks like you and me, we, we, we couldn't afford that. You see, our vessels were made of clay. And that's what God tells us in his word, that we are just vessels of clay. And maybe, just maybe today, your particular vessel has a crack in it. And you see, in the days of the Romans' time, what they would do is they could not afford to throw away that earthen vessel. They had to repair it. But what might be of interest to you is that there was only one way to repair it. You see, if you put the clay back in the crack, it would eventually push back out. And the vessel maybe could only be filled halfway, and then it leaked what they had to do is they had to take the blood of a tick. You heard me. A tick. And they would take the blood of the tick and mix it with the clay. And the tick was like Gorilla Glue. And when they mixed it together and they put it in the crack, the vessel was repaired and was of good use and could be filled. I'm charging you today, maybe your vessel's been cracked. Maybe not of your own accord. 
Maybe somebody else has harmed you or said things against you. Maybe I've been walking on this road with the Lord on this treadmill for so long and I can never be filled. It's because you have a crack in your armor. Brad, if you'd come up. Jesus is telling you today, not Mr. Wally, if you will combine his blood with your confession, he will heal you. He will restore you. And you will be the vessel that he meant for you to be. God is working out all things for our good. He's exercising our soul. He's getting us in spiritual shape while on the treadmill. Releasing us at his appointed time. My favorite pastor once said, it is as much a travesty to succeed before your time as it is to fail. If you're in the place today that maybe you feel that you've just been on the treadmill too long and you're tired and you're weary, there's freedom. If you're the type that you've been running so hard but God said, I've got to stop you, and you need to say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I missed what you were saying. He's here for you today. I'd like to ask uh, Elder Ed if he'll come up. And uh, Sister Priscilla, if you would, would you stand over here on either side of me? We're going to give an invitation. This is the day of restoration and salvation. It's not Memorial Day. It's not Mother's Day. It is the day of restoration. And if you heed the call of the Lord Jesus Christ today, he will combine his blood with your confession and he will heal you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your heart? Then take action. As Brad plays, come forward. Don't let the devil steal from you today your opportunity. Today is your day. Today. And we need to tell the devil, it's time to go. No more in my life. No more. Amen?